This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. On contentment, it's been a uh, blessing for me already thinking about it, studying it this week, and just being constantly confronted with the temptation to discontentment and constantly invited by the Lord to find contentment in Him. So, thinking about this class, I mean, this, this could be the greatest Cornerstone U class you have ever attended. If you just, just think about what your life might be like if you really felt content with, with your life. You know, that's, that's a golden opportunity and what a great experience uh, that would be to, to find yourself content. In fact, I realized this morning, as I came in here, that we didn't plan for any coffee in this room. And I thought, well, there's our first test. Right there, right out of the gate. But there will be coffee waiting on you as soon as we adjourn, right through there and, uh, and to the left. But clearly, contentment is uh, very important, and I, I pray to God it will be a very helpful uh, topic for, for all of us. There's a little schedule there on the handout. This is the three weeks that we'll spend together, and today is kind of introduction, definition. Um, we'll talk about learning contentment. Next week, we'll really get deep into it and discuss contentment in the midst of complaining and suffering and all the trouble that, that uh, comes in life. And in that last week, we'll talk about longing and contentment, or the Puritan writers actually talk about a discontent contentment, which is really confusing to me. But what, I think what they're talking about is longing and, and how longing for a heavenly country impacts our experience of contentment in, in this world. So that's what we're going to do three weeks together. The class is based on a couple of books, and there's really nothing new under the sun. Uh, the first book is Jeremiah Burroughs' The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Anybody read that? It's a, it's a great one. Um, we have two versions in the bookstore. This is our favorite. Um, if we run out of these, though, we've got a stack of these. It's the same material. It's just not our favorite, but, you know, it's the same, it's the same book. So this is in the bookstore. And what's happened is we've had a contemporary pastor, uh, William Barclay, who has written this little book called The Secret of Contentment. It's also in the bookstore. And really what he's doing is he's taking Burroughs' book and he's boiling it down um, in updated language and presentation for us. It's really good. So don't, don't feel like, you know, it's not spiritual enough because it wasn't written in the 16th century. Um, it, it, it's really an excellent read, and I highly recommend it uh, to you. We've got it in there. So we're somewhat just keeping it going. You know, uh, Barclay, he, I think, rather unashamedly just swiped all of the best ideas that Jeremiah Burroughs had in his wonderful book. And so for our class, 
we are swiping all of their ideas as well. So you can rest assured there's not like tons of original content coming your way. Uh, I think that ought to boost your confidence uh, as you participate in this. But there is some real treasure that we have from the Word of God and from the experience of these godly folks who have lived it and, and studied it. And I, I hope it will really benefit you uh, as we're together this week. So let me... Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into the content that we have. Let's pray together. Father, it is a joy to be here this morning with these folks. I'm so glad that they're up and that they're here. And I think our presence in this room this morning is indicative of the fact that we want to seek your face together today. We want to seek you, Lord, in our study this morning and also in our worship in, in the Sunday meeting. So we pray, Lord, that you would meet with us, that you would help us to grow in grace and in the understanding of how good you are, Lord. We, we pray together for contentment, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a quote there just by way of introduction uh, from Barclay's book, The Secret of Contentment. And he is uh, demonstrating what I was just saying by just quoting somebody else. But he says, in his book, The Progress Paradox, How Life Gets Better While People Feel Worse, Greg Easterbrook shows that while life in the Western world has dramatically improved over the last several decades, the level of happiness and contentment has declined. We live in an age of discontent. And I think that's just a very interesting uh, statement. I, I'd love to look at the research that Greg Easterbrook has in his book. But I also know that I don't need to. Because really this, this is our daily experience. I mean, we have the most wonderful thing. We now have groceries from Walmart delivered to our front door. Does anybody else do that? Now, to me, that's one of the greatest things that has ever happened. I don't have to go in Walmart. Groceries show up on my, on my doorstep. You know, I'm, I'm out of town uh, last, last week and in a strange city. And we were staying at a conference center for the pastor's conference. Right next to us was Starbucks. So I, I went over to get the, the pumpkin spice latte. And the Starbucks is closed. But I quickly get my phone. And I find myself in an Uber. And I'm riding over to another Starbucks, and I've ordered Starbucks on the way, and I show up at Starbucks in the Uber, and I grab the pumpkin spice latte and a load of other stuff for other people. And, and then I head right back to where I was. I mean, what a wonderful time we live in. And yet, if you're like me, it, it feels like in our cultural moment, we are less happy culturally than I can ever remember being. Maybe that's not so. Maybe this is just what old people start to say as they get older. I don't know. But it just, it does feel like we live in an age of discontentment. Ironically, while we are living in an age that is full 
of all kinds of comfort and ease and, and pleasure uh, all around us. I think the reason this is so is because we are spiritual beings. And all of us are embodied souls, and that soul has a certain longing in it. And that longing is often tempted towards things that will not satisfy. Thus, all the discontentment that we may feel in, in the world. It's not really a new phenomenon. Over 100 years ago, J.C. Ryle wrote, Two things are said to be very rare sights in the world. One is a young man humble, and the other is an old man content. So we are people who are very, very tempted by discontentment, and uh, there's nothing new about that at all. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks on contentment to us in his first century and God-inspired writing from Philippians chapter 4. So let's dive into Philippians 4. This is a very familiar part of the Bible to us because we had a sermon series in Philippians. You'll remember that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, a church that he had the joy of being the, the founding pastor of. And he writes to the church to thank them for a gift they had sent to him. And he writes to them also from prison, which just really flavors the entire thing. If you just think about where he is when he sends this beautiful letter. And I want to spend some time here in Philippians 4 to kind of introduce the topic of our class. And then we're going to dive into Jeremiah Burroughs' definition of contentment. And I think that'll get us pretty far down the road in our thinking and in our understanding this morning. But let's begin in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read uh, just a few verses beginning with verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. I can do all. All things through him who strengthens me. May God add his blessing to this, his word, and, and to our, our study of it this morning. I just want to pull out a few things. We can't unpack all these verses, but just pull out some things that I think will be very pertinent to our study of contentment. And the first thing, which I'm sure you noticed, is that Paul, the God-inspired writer of this letter learned contentment. He, he actually said it twice. He said it in verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And he says it again at the end of verse 12, I have learned the secret, and goes on to explain what we understand is contentment. So Paul learns it. Now, 
This should be, I think, very encouraging to each one of us. Because Paul, this amazing apostle of Jesus Christ, who wrote 13 books of the Bible, was not just naturally content. And he was not experiencing routine daily contentment in his life because he was just such an amazing spiritual person. He was not just overflowing with contentment by the sheer reality of, of, of being an apostle. He says he learned it. So he, he had to learn contentment, which may sound like kind of a challenge to us, but my hope is that we will, all of us in this room, receive that as encouragement so, so we understand that no matter what we may be facing in our life, whatever our struggles might be, whatever our circumstances might be, we can learn to be content. We, we can learn contentment. So that's super motivating right out of the gate. I, and I, you know, I want to make jokes about it, but it, it was really hard for me this week studying about contentment while I was separated for the week. Uh, I was at a conference. Jennifer and the kids were here in Knoxville, and I'm just sitting around thinking about being content the whole time. It's a challenge. There are all kinds of challenges to contentment. But it's so motivating to, to look in the Word of God and understand we can learn to do this. You can learn to be content. And I just think that's wonderfully motivating. And this contentment is available. This contentment that we can learn can, can be available to us in a range of circumstances. Paul writes that he knows how to be brought low, which we'll come back to, but he also says, I know how to abound. In, any, in every circumstance I've learned of the secret of facing not just hunger and need, but also plenty and abundance. Now, when we're not thinking, this comes as a little bit of a surprise to us. That we would need to learn how to be content in abundance. Because it almost feels like, well, if I had all of my needs met, if I had everything that I, I wanted, if I wasn't anxious about tomorrow, if my family and friends were all around, then contentment would be easy. But the Word of God is telling us to watch out because contentment, even in those circumstances, is not necessarily easy. John Rockefeller was once asked, how much money does it take for a person to be happy and he reportedly answered just a little bit more. So this is the human experience, right? When we receive those things in this world that we are longing for, we are often immediately tempted to long for more things. Was at a cross-country meet yesterday. Uh, all the kids did real well. Many of the kids got personal records, what, which would mean that's you know, the fastest they'd ever run their particular race. And what is it that many do right in that moment? They start thinking about how they wish they had gone faster. <laughs> a few more seconds. <laughs> Another place ahead. A little bit. It's just, this, this is a human condition. There's this longing in us that can be a good thing. But it can also tempt us to discontentment. To wanting 
wanting more. And there is, there is risk for us when we are faced with times of abundance. Here's a quote from Barclay in your notes. Times of abundance and ease, though a great blessing, are oftentimes when we become spiritually complacent, we easily forget God and pursue the things of the world, which in themselves never satisfy, but only leave us longing for more. This is why a lot of people struggle in retirement and why a lot of people get in trouble on vacation. You know, if you think about it, I might just imagine myself sitting in my house and I'm in a family room and I've got the day off and I've got the TV there and the smartphone and the iPad and a cup of hot coffee and nothing to do. And that's, that's a time of abundance and plenty, right? And it's also a time of great spiritual danger and, and temptation. So watch out lest we think if we just had all the circumstances right in our life, then we would be content. This is not necessarily so. And Paul, even Paul, had to learn this. He had to learn how to be content as he faced the dangers of abundance. Now, it's probably a little more apparent to us that circumstances that are difficult could tempt us to discontentment. And yet, there's encouragement. Paul learned also how to be content when he was brought low, when he was hungry, when he faced need. And he is, in, in the context of this letter, extremely qualified to talk to us about this. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm sharing about all the difficult life that I have, right? Like, like Starbucks was closed. You know, that's really challenging. But here's Paul, and he's, he's in prison. It's just very limited. This is a guy who is a traveling missionary, and he's locked up. So he, he understands what it is to be hindered, to be in difficult circumstances, to be lacking. His friends have largely left him. All, all kinds of, of concerns lay on his mind as he wants to minister to the churches. And probably he doesn't even have enough to eat, drink, so on. He's cold. And yet in these difficult circumstances, he writes that he has learned, even in the face of those things, the secret of contentment. And he's learned it while he's still imprisoned. So he's still in his difficult circumstances, and yet by God's grace, he is experiencing contentment. Now this, I think, is, is, is very important. Barclay, again, the world says that to be content, you need to get out of a bad situation. The Bible says that we are to find contentment even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Now that is a very interesting, interesting quote. It's not meant to communicate that if you're in a difficult circumstance like Paul in prison, or if you are in a difficult circumstance, what would be something we would, your health is poor, your job doesn't pay well enough, 
It, it's not wrong to switch and get out of that circumstance if you are able. But just I think what we learn when Paul says he had to learn to face contentment in plenty is that getting out of your difficult circumstance is not going to mean instant contentment because there will still be temptation for you even in plenty. So changing your circumstances does not guarantee contentment. And in many times, changing your circumstances disappoints. So here's Paul. He's in prison. He learned contentment. He tells us he learned contentment. How did he learn it? How did he learn contentment? And he gives us the answer, telling us that he learns contentment from Christ. This amazing 13th verse, which is one of the most commonly quoted verses in the Bible, as you know. Also, one of the most commonly quoted out of context verses of the Bible, because it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful verse. It's an inspiring verse. Here it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'm sure you've heard plenty of preachers tell you that this is often taken out of context. But we've got a, a little bit of a present this morning because we're talking about contentment. And I think our discussion of contentment makes it very easy for us to understand the context of this verse. Because Paul is in prison and he's saying, I learned contentment. How did I learn contentment? I learned it from Christ because I can do all things with Christ living in me. So really, I think a good sort of a modern uh, translation of this verse, Philippians 4.13, would be something like this. I can put up with anything so long as I have Jesus Christ. That's, that's the perfect way to understand this verse. He can put up with anything because in Jesus Christ, he has everything. Now, that, if, you, if, you, if you're like me and you grew up in Sunday school, those are words, you've maybe heard those kinds of words your, your whole life. So I just want to warn you, don't miss that just because you've heard those words your whole life, okay? Because we're talking about discontentment and contentment right here, right now. And those are real things. So I bet every one of you have struggled with this this week, with times of discontentment and a longing for contentment. So we're not talking about heroin addiction that I bet nobody in this room has struggled with this week, all right? So we're talking about something that's very real. This is a live situation that we're in right here, right now. And so God is, is saying to us, are, are you sick of the constant discontentment? Look to Jesus Christ. Because if you have Jesus Christ, you really can learn to be content no matter what is going on. And you really can put up with all things because of Jesus Christ. If we have Christ, we have everything that we really need. No matter what our circumstances are around us. Now, Paul, when he, when he uses the word content... Let me see if I can find it. It's at the end of verse 11. He says he's learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. It's an interesting word. 
It's the only place, I think, in the Bible that this Greek word is used for contentment. And it means something like self-starter or self-sufficient. So it's, it's, it's kind of an odd word. It, I think contentment is the correct translation. You'll, you'll, I think you'll see that. Um, but it, it means something like, I'm, I'm okay with myself. I can, oh, I'm making this up on the fly, but I kind of like it. It's something like, I can do this. So you can see how that could be, I think, appropriately translated contentment. I can do this, right? And that's, that's what Paul's saying in verse 13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have learned the secret of, I can do this, whatever the circumstance is that, that I am I'm facing. Now, the, the trouble with the Greek language of the first century is that I think in the 21st century, we would be very likely to get it wrong. Because we are such an incredibly self-focused society, especially in North America. We really are, and I'm not talking about other people. I'll just confess it. We re- I really am all about myself, okay? We really are all about ourselves. So there's risk for us when we think about this word contentment as self-sufficient. So I want to build a bridge here that might help us. The, the reality is that we are all of us Creatures created in the image of God. Okay, this is Genesis chapter 1 and other places. God made men and women special in his image. No other creature is created like human beings are. We're, we're made in God's image. And as creatures made in God's image, God communicates many of his attributes to us. It's, it's a wonderful gift from the Lord. No man or woman is perfectly loving, but there are loving people in this room, in in our lives. No man or woman is perfectly gracious, but there are gracious people in this room. None of us are perfectly holy outside of Christ, but there's a sense in which we, we can act in a godly way in this world, right? So God is communicating his attributes to us. God is creative, we are creative. God thinks, we think, and so on. All right. There is only one self-sufficient being in the universe, right? We are all the rest of us totally dependent. In fact, no few creatures are more dependent than human creatures, if you think about it. If, if it you know, proud men and women are, you know, silly, really. I mean, if, if other people don't take care of us when we're little babies, we don't survive, right? We are so dependent. Um, but God isn't like that. God is completely self-sufficient. God doesn't need anything from anybody. He gives everything to everybody. He's totally self-sufficient. He is in that context then, and in, in the course of our discussion, he is then perfectly, completely, infinitely content. God is content. God is self-sufficient. The Apostle Paul is telling us, because we're, we're creatures made in God's image, and as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And God is, in a sense, communicating to us his attribute of self-sufficiency. With God, we can be self-sufficient. I mean, 
we're trying to come up with the right words because we're like, we're like little babies compared to God. We can't even really say it right because we're not really self-sufficient, but we are, we are reflecting the self-sufficiency that he has. And, and we're realizing that I, I can be okay in this situation. I can do this myself because God is with me. I can do this because I've God. You know, that's, that's Christian contentment. Where is it coming from? It's not coming from your abundance, but it's also not hindered by your need or by your lack or by your trouble. Your contentment and your sufficiency is coming from, from God. And so you can do all things because God is with you, because Jesus Christ is, is, is with you. And so that's how you can be, be content. So contentment is the ability to put up with anything. And that's my definition, so I'm sure there's all kinds of trouble with it. But there it is. A contentment means you can put up with anything. And God in the Bible is telling us we can put up with anything because of Jesus Christ. We can do all things through, through Christ. But here's a, another definition for us. The Puritans were great at being about packing lots of meaning into little spaces. And so here's Jeremiah Burroughs, again, the, the author of the rare jewel of uh, Christian contentment, which you can get in the bookstore. Just a reminder, because I, you know, I'm like the new pastor, by the way. I've been here a couple years on the pastoral staff, and I've heard this for years before I became a pastor. But I just want to go ahead and confirm the reality that I, I've seen the numbers and we lose money on the bookstore, right? So we're not making any money. There's no commission. We want to put these in your hands. If you can't afford a book, ask a pastor. We'll just give it to you, okay? But if you pay for the book, that kind of helps make up our constant losses. It's sort of funny, you know, managing the bookstore here at CCK because it's like the worst-run store in America, I think, uh, as far as profitability goes. But we really want you to get your hands on, on these great books. They're, they're such a blessing. And here's the definition from, uh, from Jeremiah Burroughs. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. So like many of the Puritan writings, that ought to give you something to meditate on throughout the afternoon. You could maybe read that Philippians 4, 10 through 13, and, and pray through that and then meditate on, on this sentence. I just want to unpack it just a little bit. He says to us, contentment is inward. And, and further, uh, Barclay explains it like this. He says that uh, we can be calm on the outside while troubles and disturbances rage on the inside. I bet you, you maybe thought I was going to say that the other way around, but I, I, that's said on, on purpose. We can be calm on the outside while we're very troubled on the inside. I think church folks are really good at that, right? <laughs> we're good at that. How are you doing? Fine. 
I mean, I don't begrudge. I grew up in the South. I don't begrudge that. So you can say fine. I understand you're just being polite. But, but we might want to ask ourselves, how are we really doing on the inside? Because we can look good outwardly and not be inwardly. If you're really going to be content, we're talking about something that's taking place inside your heart. Now, wonderfully, God's Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of the believer. So contentment must be and can be rooted in the heart. So this is part of what Burroughs is saying. Contentment is sweet and inward and quiet and gracious. Contentment is gracious. That is, it's rooted in God's grace. I'm, I'm glad we made it this far because I, I do want you to leave the room today thinking, I can learn to be content. Okay, that's sort of a lesson objective today, I guess for teachers in here. Okay, uh, we, we want to leave knowing I can learn to be content. And we want to leave understanding what contentment is. It's that I, I can do all things through Christ. Because of Christ, I can be self-sufficient because he's helping me be sufficient. So we want to we want to know we can learn it. We want to understand we get it from Christ. We, we kind of understand what it is. But I don't want you to leave here thinking, now i got to do it. Now i got to be content. i just got to try to be as content as I can. Understand, God is giving you contentment. He's giving you the gift of learning this, right? It's gracious. He's, he's offering it. He's inviting you to it. He's, he has given you Christ and set Christ before you and all the means of grace that come along with belonging to Jesus Christ. It's a gracious gift. So yes, learn it. Strive for it. Like Jesus says, you know, there's a gate through which you can be saved. But then he says, strive to enter it. Okay, so you can strive for it and try to learn contentment, but understand he is giving it. So it's full of grace. It's full of, of joy. There's something very joyous and joyful uh, about experiencing contentment. It, it, it delights to find joy in what God, God brings. I love this quote from Barclay. In fact, it was worth getting up and coming in here just to get this one sentence, I think. Uh, joy is contentment's inseparable traveling companion. Ask a, uh, ask a pastor, hey, is there a book in the New Testament that I can read like to kind of help me be more joyful? You know, I bet you they're going to say Philippians, right? And Philippians is written by a guy in jail. So, so joy accompanies contentment, and it, it comes despite circumstances. And I think part of that is because contentment is really about trusting God. Contentment recognizes that every situation we encounter in life comes from the hand of God. And so we ought to be constantly aware of God's providence. He's, he's caring for us. He's told us he's working all things together for the good of those who love him so that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. So when I am discontent, and this, this is a good discipline from the Lord because it hurts to admit it, but when I am discontent, I am acting in unbelief. Because God has told me he's working all things together for my good. It's very plain in the Bible. God is working all things together for my good. 
God even disciplines those he loves. So maybe I'm experiencing some discipline from, from the Lord. Or maybe not. Maybe this is just helping me grow the way he wants me to grow. But whatever it is, if I sit around just griping and complaining, uh, which I do, about my circumstances, I am acting in unbelief. And I am not trusting the Lord. But if I say, and I long to, and I know you do too, Christian people, <laughs> you, you, we long to trust our God and place our faith in God and, and just demonstrate how, that we seek Him. You know, we're, we're, we're seeking Him today. That's why we're at church. And if we're really longing for Him and, and seeking for Him in our life, then part of the fruit of that is we will not just be discontent and complaining all the time. We'll be joyful in our circumstances. That's, that is faith or a side effect or something. You know, it's woven in, woven in to believing faith is trusting God and being content and, and being joyful. It's being submissive to God. Our circumstances come from the hand of God and we must submit to them and resist a rebellious spirit against God. Now, again... If you can change your circumstances, do so. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7. He's talking to bond servants, to slaves. He says, be the best servant you can be. This is my paraphrase. You know, serve your master well. If you can change your circumstances, do so. Okay, so it's, it's, I'm not saying just wallow in your pain or your hardship. But do trust God in it. And do recognize that Right here, right now, in this moment, if you're experiencing this, this is part of God's plan for you. So, so ask God to give you the grace to have a submissive heart and not be rebellious against the Lord. And finally, something we've already said, commitment. I think we get this from, from Burroughs' definition. Commitment is something that can be learned. It's, it's given to us by God. It's available for us. Um, it is not immediately imputed to us along with our salvation. We must learn contentment. We must learn like Paul to be content in every situation. Final thought. If we've learned to be content in some situations but not others, which I'll just go ahead and say uh, that, that describes every one of us, I'm sure. If we've learned to be content in some situations and not others, then here's the challenge for our class. We haven't really yet learned contentment. I haven't learned contentment. I don't think you have either. We may never fully learn it until heaven. So that'll be the last class, I think, longing and contentment. Nevertheless, we need to hear the scripture telling us this morning that it can be learned and that God is offering us the opportunity to grow in contentment and to become more content and to experience the joy of that contentment as we rely on Jesus Christ. So that'll be our homework for this week. Just to think about the reality that God wants us to learn contentment no matter what our circumstances are. And that we can learn it and we can experience it because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray together. Then you can find that cup of coffee. Father, I thank you so much for 
Jesus Christ. For what he did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, giving us everything. And that he was raised to life. He sits enthroned in heaven, interceding for us and giving gifts to men. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the truth that we read this morning. That because we belong to Jesus Christ, we can put up with anything, Lord. Because we have what we need most, the greatest treasure in Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for him. I thank you for this introduction to pursuing contentment, Lord. And just like we want to pursue holiness, help us as Christian people to pursue contentment and to learn it, Lord, we pray. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone dash U.